This is the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Premier Kathleen Wynne putting the brakes on when it comes to Toronto. Uh, their move to instill tolls on the Gardner and the Don Valley Parkway. Instead, she has pledged for additional transit funding, which, uh, you know, is I think like four years away after the next election. So really, all that is is a election promise for the next election. To talk more about all of this, Noor El Qadri is with us, professor at the Telfer School of Management, University of Ottawa, and he is with us now. Hello, Noor. How are you today? I'm very well, Scott. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for taking the time to join us. We greatly appreciate this. Surprised by Wynne's reaction here and her, uh, after being somewhat supportive of road tolls, now saying, no, it's not going to happen. Well, uh, she's, she's allowed to, uh, to correct things with, uh, with time. So uh, I think this is, uh, this is positive news for uh, people who take uh, the roads there. Uh, as you, you said earlier in, in your introduction, uh, people are fed up with uh, lots of uh, taxes being added to them, uh, utility bills now, and uh, additional uh, money coming from tolls is, uh, uh, is not a good thing. Uh, no matter what the reasoning uh, is, you, you can have other ways of educating people, getting them off the road, uh, and making sure that you uh, reduce their fo- carbon footprint. Um, we've got the federal government reducing car- carbon taxes, and, uh, and now you, if you get uh, tolls added uh, by the provincial government, uh, by the by the municipality, and if this uh, if there is a precedent by the by the city of Toronto, this could go to other cities uh, that is not as congested, and they will just make comparisons uh, on that sign. I think she she got it right this time. Uh, that certainly never seemed to bother her in the past. She would just go ahead and uh, tax, 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 tax. Uh, why do you think it's different this time? What's what's different now? How obviously she's feeling the heat from uh, constituents within the 905. Uh, and, and absolutely, um, governments uh, sometimes they uh, try to uh, look at some policies in a way that fits uh, their uh, their balance sheet. And when uh, they, or to, in order to get more support uh, from the public, and when they uh, they feel the heat that there is uh, rejection from the public, uh, then um, sometimes they uh, think twice and they roll back on on some of those uh, initiatives. Uh, that was never an issue for her before. Uh, it's becoming an issue because the majority of the people are saying, well. Uh, there is not uh, much alternative uh, in that sense. Um, when you add uh, tolls to a road where you have uh, many alternatives and people could take them, that's fine. But for for the Gardner and, and Don Valley, uh, it's it's uh, there is not much alternatives. We're not there are not many alternatives for for that, and people are going to be stuck in paying that bill. And if you look at the f- money from that perspective, the city of Toronto was hoping to raise about uh, two hundred million dollars. I think it's not the right timing for it to do it this way especially that the federal government is pledging a lot of money for infrastructure, and they could uh, raise these, these $200 million uh, in, um, uh, in no time with, uh, with the federal government. When they're pledging uh, $125 billion over 10 years, uh, $200 million is a rounding error in, uh, in those numbers. And uh, for a city like Toronto, I'm, I'm sure they, uh, they could up uh, the bill a little bit and, and add $200 million to their investments in that city. Uh, it seems that uh, in order to make this uh, not good day for Toronto a rosy day, you know, she's saying that uh, that she's going to double the amount of money that the cities are receiving through the gas tax. But then this is four years, five years down the road. I mean, are people buying into election promises that are the next election and sometimes two elections down the road? I mean, really, that you know, isn't that false hope? 
This is this is absolutely false hope. Um, when you do a, a promise for 2019, and then uh, you see what happens in the next election, and just like we saw now, she is uh, changing her mind on dolls. On, on she could change her mind on the tax uh, uh, refund from from gas in uh, in 2019 if she's elected. And if she's not elected, that's not then she's got nothing to lose. So. Uh, those are electoral tactics in, in that perspective. When when a city is trying to introduce tolls and you want to issue something in, in perspective, um, I would have take that, taken that at face value if she introduced it in 2017 or early 2018. But to push it after an election, uh, these, uh, these are uh, Bush-like promises, pushing uh, all the good, the good promises that they want after their term. Uh, does this prove just how tight her party is backed into a corner? I mean, again, this goes against uh, prior to this announcement. Uh, of course, there was people uh, objecting to road tolls, but you weren't getting a lot of people arguing with the ideology behind it that we had to get people out of the car. I mean, I, I, everybody thought this was a, a just a, a given that this was not going to get stopped. And now to all of a sudden, uh, you know, flip flop on this. Uh, something that would mean normally mean a great deal to her Green Energy Act. Uh, th- this really just points out of what a tight squeeze this party is in. No, well, that's the problem always with uh, all the liberal parties, especially in Canada. Um, they can bleed on both sides: on the left to the NDP and on the right to the Conservatives. Yeah, and uh, they can't uh, extend their margins uh, a lot in many situations. So. Uh, um, when they take a policy that is pro-environment, uh, they bleed a little bit on the right to the conservatives, and when they do the other way around, the NDP takes a, a good lead from that. Um, Madame Wynn um, was very well known as she's on the left side of the Liberal Party in terms of the left of center, and uh, some of those policies that uh, uh, she was enacting most of the time uh, were uh, in in that perspective on kind of the left of center, but when uh, the biggest heat is coming from uh, the, um, the Brown's conservatives, um, she needs to take policies that are right of center in in order to to stay in the race because most of the polls now uh, are putting her way behind, and if she stays the course without any changes, she's definitely out of government. How does this play in Toronto with Mayor John Tory? Well, um, I would. Um, John Tory was expecting this is uh, going to be a go, especially that um, uh, he's got support of council on this, and uh, he wants to get more money uh, money to the city. Uh, if I were John Tory, I would uh, take advantage of this and try to uh, push uh, and bargain more for um, for um, for investments in in infrastructure from both the province and the federal. Especially that John Tory is a, is a conservative, is a former conservative leader himself, and uh, he could be closer to uh, Brown uh, rather than uh, Win. Mm-hmm. He could um, pressure here in in that uh, in that perspective. So he could take his uh, a partisan role as a mayor now uh, to to play some politics with it. So where does this leave Win? Obviously, the 905 will be happy with this decision. She'll win support with that. But boy, she's certainly attacking her base, which are the environmentalists. How does she balance this? Uh, she will uh, have to look at other policies in order to please uh, to please, uh, please her base.
the other thing is that she would know that the environmentalists would never go uh, to the to the conservatives, mm-hmm. and uh, their choices between the NDP and uh, and, and the liberals. And uh, she had to play that card and uh, risk it. When people go and think uh, of uh, voting strategically in some in some writings, they would think, well, if we take that vote of Kathleen Wynne and give it to the NDP, uh, the conservative might uh, might win. And uh, she might play the same card that Justin Trudeau played in the federal elections by um, getting that strategic vote that uh, brought him to the top um while uh, while the ndp the ndp uh, bled their vote uh, and um, the leftist vote in a strategic voting uh, idea so she could she could play the same card although i don't think it's uh, it's going to play well for her um the majority of uh, ontarians asked especially now that uh, they've seen um, justin trudeau and uh, and uh, he's not doing uh, or his his uh, his numbers are going down with uh, over the last few months. Mm-hmm. We will we will see uh, that Ontarians are going to go for clear choices either to the NDP or to the Conservatives. Can the provincial NDP benefit from this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm seeing I'm seeing the NDP a big uh, big winner from that. Uh, what? Where do you think we'll be on this one month from now? Will this have settled? Will anybody care? Uh, or is this just a, and how does this play for wins ontario we will we will see what what kind of what piece of news uh, is going to come next we're going to see more heat coming out of the federal conservative leadership um as we as we come closer to uh, the, to the race uh, 24th is the deadline so that's when we will see some people getting out of the race uh, there will be more attention to uh, to that side, as opposed to uh, the pieces of news of um, mm-hmm. uh, that are small, to, like I, I would consider this is uh, not a huge uh, piece of uh, news for people to, to deal with. It's it's local to uh, to Toronto, and um, not only that, um, we it is affecting just two small initiatives from a, from an infrastructure perspective rather than huge things that are affecting everybody across the province like uh, hydro bills or uh, right. uh, or other initiatives. Nor, let me ask you, uh, any advantage for Wynn to be corresponding with Kevin O'Leary over Facebook? Uh, not at all. Not at all. See, and people would uh, would know that uh, these are uh, cheap shots. Uh, we, we're all Canadians, and we're allowed to to play uh, on all levels of, um, of of government. But as uh, as a leader, she has closely aligned herself uh, with the federal uh, liberals, and uh, meddling in the conservative leadership, uh, I would think, is uh, um, is a cheap shot. Nor El Khadri has been with us, professor at the Telfer School of Management, University of Ottawa, talking about Kathleen Wynne putting the brakes on toll roads in Toronto. Nor, as always, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Always. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, fascinating day on a Friday, just as you're all getting ready for your weekend uh, in southern Ontario and the greater Toronto-Hamilton area. Um, Kathleen Wynne drops a bomb and says that even though she uh, certainly sounded like she was moving in favor of road tolls, uh, has now flip-flopped on that and told John Tory ain't going to happen. 
she's getting so much heat from people who are already paying through the nose for uh, their electricity bills that they don't have any more wiggle room. The funny thing is, is we're all jumping and screaming about a $2 toll. And yet, you know, have you seen how much your electricity bill's gone up? I've got two no... You know what? The gas bills must be coming in this week. The, ba- the gas bills must, must be coming in today, even, because I've got two emails today from two separate listeners telling me that their uh, energy, their natural gas bill has gone up more than $5, which was the average uh, that everyone said they were. One was like 14 one was like $16 this month that had gone up as a result of cap and trade. So people are just tapped. There's nothing left. And so when even you try to squeeze a toonie out of them, a toonie out of them, there's nothing left. There's nothing left to, you know, the pockets are empty. So did she make the right call on reversing the toll toll road decision in Toronto? And, of course, you know, they're talking about it here because that's the thing. If Toronto gets it, then everyone's going to want a piece of the action. Michael Harris is with us, transportation critic for the Ontario Progressive Conservative Party, and is with us now. Hello, Michael. How are you today? Not bad, Scott. Thanks for having me. Thanks for taking the time. So what are your thoughts on this reversal? Well, look, uh, while the Wynn Liberals have never met a tax they didn't like, uh, it was our efforts, the Ontario PC Party under Patrick Brown, uh, that said no to tolls right from day one. And so today's a big big win for uh, commuters uh, right across the province, in fact, especially those in the 416 and 905 area codes, uh, victory for affordability. But look, uh, you mentioned it, it's a flip-flop, absolutely. And we're happy uh, for this particular flip-flop, but... Uh, this is a sign the government is desperate and uh, is willing to do anything to cling to power. Uh, January 1st, uh, $0.04 cents, uh, addition in gas. You're talking about natural gas bills at your door. Costs are going to continue to go up and up under this Liberal government as we get closer to the election. Um, you know, these are the things you're going to hear more and more from. It's interesting that, again, people are protesting a $2 uh, road toll, and yet, you know, we've watched our, our gas or electricity bills go up like 70%. And sure, people are upset about it, but certainly not to this extent, it appeared. Well, no, I'll tell you, they're, they're, they're darn upset about hydro. Uh, it's something that I hear about on a daily, almost hourly basis at my constituency office from my uh, residents. But I'll tell you, you know, the road tolls is just another added-on cost of, uh, you know, uh, to trying to survive and get to work here in the province of Ontario. But I think the sore part about these tolls were they were actually going, they were, commuters were being asked to pay again for roads that, in fact, they've already paid for. That's the sore spot here. Mm. Uh, and so we said no from day one, Patrick Brown and the Ontario PC party, uh, that uh, we, we said no to tolls. And, uh, yeah, she flip-flopped. But, again, this is a, a desperate sign of uh, Kathleen Wynne as we head into an election. She has announced she will double the transit dollars through the gas tax by 2021, though. To yeah, offset. well, look, a, a, a 2019 uh, is still a ways away. I mean, uh, you know, uh, I don't believe in a word they typically tell me. Uh, you know, a liberal promise is as good as about uh, just about anything, I suppose. So, you know, 2019 is the uh, start date for this. You know, what projects, in fact, across the province will actually have to be slashed or cut uh, to pay for this? Um, where will the government actually find this money? Will they be looking at other areas uh, to... to uh, to actually fund this, where is the money coming from? I think it's important to ask. Of course, municipalities have been asking for additional um, sources of, uh, you know, infrastructure investment for years. Uh, but this doesn't also include every municipality. Only those with a transit system will actually get a stake in this additional two cents. Those that don't, uh, like smaller, you know, rural municipalities, will be left in the cold. 
So uh, she said that this wouldn't kick in for another four years. How, how do you make promises beyond the next election? I mean, don't you, do you think people are growing tired of that sort of thing? Uh, parties that promise things five and ten years down the road, which are basically says, you know, they're making promises for, uh, promises for an election that's not here yet. Exactly, yeah. Look, I think uh, the majority of Ontarians are uh, coming to terms with this particular Liberal government. Uh, you know what, uh, they'll promise uh, things uh, eons out uh, to try to convince you that it's actually happening today, but it's not. It's 2019, uh, well beyond what their current mandate is, and we hope that, uh, you know, Ontarians will see through this. And, um, you know what, look, uh, we as a province, we don't have a revenue problem per se. We have a massive spending problem. You know, municipalities are asking for more and more to fund the necessary infrastructure investments in their communities. But then we see the sheer waste at the province. I mean, just look at the last auditor report, upside down bridges, you know, paving uh, highways that we need to come back only after a few years to do it again. You know, the sheer waste in the system would make your head spin. And so we need to start there looking from within first before we ask motorists. We know that the Liberals have always had an attack on the, the car or the driver um, to, to fund these projects first before we ask for more. Kathleen Wynne saw her popularity dip uh, after this, uh, you know, toll uh, potential uh, happening, and she pulled the plug because uh, it's more about politics than actually good policy. Why not tolls? I mean, you know, certainly when this was all suggested, uh, yeah, there were some people getting cranky about it, but, you know, there was a lot of experts and environmentalists and, and traffic control specialists that said this was the way to go. What's the alternative? Well, look, I think there's a discussion um, for tolls when it comes to building brand new highways. So if you give a, um, the motorists an alternative route and say, look, we're going to build a brand new highway, uh, but there will be lanes that will be told. I think motors, for the most part, get that. But to take an existing highway that taxpayers already bought and paid for and ask them to pay again, that's where we have problems. And I think it's a fair concern for folks. And so, again, uh, waste and mismanagement on current infrastructure projects would go a long way. Uh, open competition when it comes to, to building things. Um, you know, there's an endless amount of... Uh, of things out there, and our party, uh, frankly, is going through that process now, um, consulting with uh, stakeholders across the province, and we look forward to sharing those plans on how our party under Patrick Brown will make those necessary infrastructure announcements, but make them in a in a realistic time frame and get them done and get them built. You know, you only have to go to the GO station in Hamilton or Burlington to see how a project that should have been done years ago is still under construction. This shouldn't be happening. How do you think this is playing in Toronto with this announcement from Wynn? Well, look, I heard Mayor Tory's comments this morning. Um, you know what? Uh, clearly, he was looking for around 200 plus million. He'll get 170, but that won't be until 2019, with it fully being implemented potentially by 2021. Um, you know, I think that uh, it's uh, with mis- mixed reaction. Clearly, other municipalities will benefit from this down the road. But again, you have to call into question the actual you know what, the reality of this even happening. You know what, um, I, I know and I've followed liberal promises before when they said they wouldn't raise our taxes only to do so. Um, so I, I don't trust anything that they say, frankly. So who knows? We'll, we'll have to wait and see. But there's uh, endless opportunities out there to fund infrastructure. Um, and I think we have to look within first before we ask for folks to pay more, um, whether it be a toll or at the pumps. Uh, is this just a, a Southern Ontario issue? Does this resonate with the rest of Ontario at all? 
I think no matter where you are in Ontario, whether you're in eastern Ontario, uh, you know what, uh, they don't they don't want to have to come in to pay a toll either, but uh, you know what, for the larger urban municipalities, uh, they'll they'll perhaps look at today's announcement as additional revenue, but again, uh, many years out, smaller municipalities will say, look, you left us out again, because uh, they won't have a share of this gas tax revenue at all, and so you know, it makes it more difficult for them to generate revenue off the tax base uh, already to build infrastructure in their communities. And so, you know, again, um, outside of the GTHA in rural Ontario, uh, Kathleen Wynne's Liberals shut them shut the door on their face again. So PCs in favor of tolls, but only on situations where you're building new highways. Well, I think we're open to a conversation when there's a brand new highway with uh, additional options. Um, to look at tolls perhaps as a mechanism for, uh, you know, funding that piece of particular infrastructure, especially if it's going to advance or accelerate the construction of that project. But uh, to actually remove an existing lane of a highway that we've already bought and paid for, we are absolutely no. Patrick Brown and Ontario PC Party are clear, no to tolls. Uh, the, theoretically, well, I, Wynne has done what the PCs have wanted here. She has, you know, nixed the idea of a toll. How will Patrick Brown play this in, in the ledge? Well, look, uh, you know what, we will take it as a win. Uh, you know, we, uh, you know, we're, we're happy that Kathleen Wynne adopted the PC uh, position on uh, tolls. We had a debate in the legislature. Patrick Brown himself uh, debated a motion calling on the Liberal MPPs to say no to tolls. Uh, clearly, they uh, were listening to Patrick Brown and put pressure on Kathleen Wynne to say no. Um, so we're happy about about this, but it, it's clearly a flip-flop on her part. She berated uh, Patrick and our caucus on our stance with this, but here we have today her backtracking on it. And again, I, I really will say that this is a sign that government is desperate to cling to power, and they will do anything. And so, you know what, uh, I'm curious to see what's next. Well, we're happy today we spoke out on behalf of commuters, and they can claim a victory today for sure. Michael Harris has been with us, transport critic for the Ontario PCs. Michael, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Yeah. Listen, looking forward to hearing the calls. Thanks. Take Thank care. Thank you. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. People are excited, very happy that, uh, you know, if you live in the GTHA and you have to commute into Toronto, uh, they were talking about toll roads. Kathleen Wynne was behind this. She said, you go get them, boys. You go... Boys and girls, you go raise as much money as you possibly can because we ain't giving you any more. And then, of course, she heard from uh, the 905 and uh, how, you know, maybe if she hadn't pressed us so hard with electricity, we'd have a couple of bucks uh, to pay for tolls. See, this is the other thing that, that amazes me. This toll is $2. It's 2 bucks, $2. Now, of course, that adds up over the month. But, you know, considering our electricity prices have gone up 70%, there just isn't room for another toonie. And uh, again, as uh, as the uh, the PC transport critic Michael Harris pointed out, this just shows you these guys are desperate. And then when you're making promises like you're going to double the transit uh, dollars through the gas tax by 2021, well, you're not. We won't be in power in 2021. And you know, I'm tired of parties that are making promises after the next election when we're not even in an election yet. You can't make a promise five and ten years down the road because you don't even know if you'll be alive or dead. You know, it's just absolutely nuts. Uh, that being said, some are happy about this. The environmentalists not too happy. I mean, and again, prior to all of this, I mean, we were hard pressed to find anybody that would come on and say, this isn't a good idea. We've got to get the cars off the road. This isn't a good idea. And now all of a sudden it's not a good idea anymore.
Just like the HOV lanes that were all about the environment, then all of a sudden they said, well, you can go on them if you pay, even with one in the car. So really it's not about the environment, it's just about raising more money. Green energy, it's not about saving the environment for the liberals, it's, 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 it's a fundraiser. And because you guys are so gullible with green, oh yeah, it doesn't matter how, if it's good or bad, if it's green, we're taking it. That's how we ended up with over $37 billion uh, of overspending, as says the Auditor General. It's not about going green, it's about overspending on it. It's about paying way too much. It's about not doing your due diligence, cost analysis, that sort of thing. And now she's getting so much heat from electricity, she shut Toronto down, says no tolls. Uh, Canadian Taxpayers uh, Federation, happy about that. Christine Van Gen is with us, Gein, sorry, and she is with the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. She is the Ontario Director and with us now. Hello, Christine, how are you today? I'm good, thank you very much for having me. So what are your thoughts? You're happy about this. Yeah, of course I'm, I'm happy. This is the, the toll proposal is a terrible proposal. Um, what's ironic to me about it is that the Premier is saying, well, the reason we don't want to go ahead with this is because is the cost of living is going up. People can't afford this. Uh, no kidding. There are a lot of policies that we cannot afford that are mostly policies brought in by her government. Um, the, the hydro crisis going on in this province and cap and trade added on top of that. But suddenly, this is the thing that we can't afford. I mean, there's a lot of policies that this government has brought in we can't afford. Um, I think that really this is about this is about votes for the premier. She's the least popular premier in the whole province, and that's the real reason that that she is scrapping this because it's an unpopular policy, and she's unpopular. She's trying to win some win some favor with the public. You know, again, I'm not uh, for road tolls uh, by any means. Uh, that being said, uh, I, I, like you said, I'm surprised she's attacking uh, John Tory's road tolls. Why doesn't she do something about electricity? Why doesn't she, and rather than rebates, change the system, do something to make it more efficient? Well, I think that the truth is that she really isn't concerned about affordability. If she was concerned about affordability, she would have done something about those other policies that cost us much, much more than the $2 on the, on the toll road would have. Um, but let me let me tell you one of my theories about this, and this is just a, a theory, just something I was thinking about. When the premier said um, to John Tory, "Go for it, give, try you know try getting this, this through council," I actually I, this might sound cynical, but I think she probably never actually intended on approving it, and she knew her popularity was low, and she wanted to to string this idea so she could turn around and and seem like some mm. kind of hero for, for rescuing taxpayers. And, um, you know, this the, the people in this province have gone a really long time. But if she felt that any... way, if she felt that way, Christine, why wouldn't she just put the kibosh on at the beginning? I guess because then you can play both sides of the street. Yeah, I think she wanted to play both sides. I wanted her. I, I think she wanted to string people along and see where public opinion was going and win some uh, win some have a win on her on her ledger instead of constant you know things that she's doing to make life more affordable now it looks like she's come in and said look i'm i'm looking out for all of you all of you consumers all of you taxpayers and and really she's not most of her policies in fact almost all of her policies have been damaging for affordability in ontario uh obviously uh 905ers are going to love this is this going to be enough to change people's opinion of kathleen Wynne? Uh, I mean, it's pretty, I mean, there's nowhere to go for up, real, but nowhere to go but up for her. She's at, I think, 14% in the polls. Um, maybe it'll change some people's opinion, but um, I think that was the whole reason she did this, is to try and change people's opinion. So it might work. But, but keep in mind, this was 
this is just one policy. It was not her policy. Um, her policies are a lot that that are her policies on hydro and on carbon taxes are a lot more expensive than the roll toll would have been. Uh, where do you think? How do you think this is going to play? Are we going to be talking about this a month from now? Um, I think we'll be talking about the HOT lanes. I mean, the the high occupancy toll lanes. She's moving ahead with. So you know, she's not really against tolling people. She's against doing things that are massively unpopular. Um, you know, it's not really about making life more affordable. She's she's all about trying to get more more votes in the lead up to an election, which is just over a year away. Christine Van Gein has been with us, Canadian Taxpayers Federation, Ontario Director. Christine, as always, thanks for the time. Much appreciated. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're listening to The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML. All right, uh, just as if uh, this isn't interesting enough today, an Ipsos poll says that in 2019 we could possibly see Kevin O'Leary being a threat against the Justin Trudeau Liberal Party. Uh, this is as a result of, uh, these results are from a new Global TV Ipsos uh, Read poll, uh, which uh, has, uh, I guess, uh, with these leaders running, uh, a very close race. To talk more about all of this, the Vice President of Ipsos Public Affairs, Sean Simpson, and he is with us now. Hello, Sean, how are you today? Very well. How are you? Good. Thank you for taking the time to uh, to talk to us today. Boy, uh, you know, these polls are becoming more and more interesting as uh, time goes by. Uh, first of all, uh, tell us what uh, the results of this one are and how close these uh, these two leaders are if they were mm-hmm. to run. Mm-hmm. Well, the first thing I should say about the poll of, of uh, Canadians is that, in fact, it is a poll of Canadians, not of um, Tory members, so mm-hmm. uh, we we have no sense uh, aside from how familiar people are with the candidates who will win the the Tory nomination. I should say that right out 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 front. However, we tested some scenarios to see how some of the front runners uh, might fare against Justin Trudeau in a general election, and the results of this survey show that if Kevin O'Leary were the leader of the Conservative Party. The Liberals would receive 38% of the vote compared to the Conservatives who would receive 37% of the vote. So it looks at this early juncture. If O'Leary were to win the leadership, he could mount a significant challenge to the incumbent Liberals during the next election. Uh, surprising this is happening at this stage. What, does this, what do these numbers tell you? Well, I mean, the numbers tell me that there's there's a significant advantage to to name recognition. For example, uh, Maxime Bernier's name recognition only about a quarter of Canadians are, are familiar with who he is. I mean, he was a cabinet minister uh, twice, um, and uh, in a head-to-head matchup against O'Leary, uh, he's behind. Sorry, against um, at, uh, Justin Trudeau Liberals, he's behind by 14 points. Kelly Leach, whose familiarity is even lower, is behind by 16 points uh, in a head-to-head matchup against the uh, the Liberal government. So uh, O'Leary comes into this with some star power. Uh, people have a, a decent sense. A majority of Canadians say that they're familiar with with who he is. Um, so even though he's a he's an outsider, it's not in the same sense as Ignatiev is because nobody knew who he was when he when he came in uh, into the the race of the leadership uh, for the Liberals. People know who who um, who O'Leary is. They have a sense of his style, and at this first juncture, without really knowing many of his policies, many appear uh, willing to kick the tires and consider him. 
Uh, is it name recognition that's bringing Kevin O'Leary to the forefront, or is it this mounting attitude, anyone but the status quo? I mean, you know, anybody who's been following this certainly knows a lot about Kelly Leach. She's been in the no- yeah. in the news in the sense with her Canadian values and such. So, you know, again, anybody who's paying attention to this certainly knows who Kelly Leach is. Is it really name recognition or anybody but the status quo, anybody but yeah. a typical politician? I think it's a little bit of of, of both. Uh, I mean, the, the name recognition is a is is an important part because, aside from O'Leary, where a majority know who he is, virtually all of the other candidates are down at one in ten Canadians saying that they they know who, who they are. But you've got a, a very excellent point in this. Um, disruptive anybody but the status quo, um, even though Justin Trudeau's approval ratings are close to 60%, which is still very high for a, for a government who's been in power for over a year. Um, if we just broaden our context and look at what's happening around us, we've seen a, a, a disruptor elected in, uh, in, in Donald Trump, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen Brexit in the UK. We're seeing the rise of the popularity of Le Pen in, in, in France. And in many other countries, we have this mounting attitude that the, the system and politicians and elites are, are against us and they're not, they're not for us. Kevin O'Leary represents a disruption. He's an outsider. He's got some, some different ideas. He's brash. He's not terribly politically correct. And I think there may be some uh, degree of, of, uh, of favorability towards uh, just that particular uh, persona. In fact, one in five current NDP voters, now remember they're without a leader, they say that they would in fact vote for O'Leary. What does that say when you're coming from the extreme left? Yeah, well, I I think these disruptors aren't on the traditional political spectrum. Uh, Donald Trump, yes, he ran out of the Republican banner, but I mean, the, the Republicans don't particularly like him. They're, they're willing to work with him. But he, those those traditional um, labels don't apply to these people. And O'Leary may be a conservative, although I suspect that if the opportunity were for the Liberal Party, he, he may have just been uh, as interested in, in mm-hmm. running for the Liberals. Um, so we're seeing the NDP, again, who are without a leader, looking at a populist character who's willing to change things up. Right now, they say they vote NDP, so they're not big fans of, of, of Trudeau. So maybe it's the anybody but the status quo. We want a disruptor, and many look uh, willing to, to support uh, O'Leary if he becomes the next story leader. You were talking about uh, Trudeau still being very popular. Obviously, uh, you know we're starting to see some chinks in the armor with this. Is the honeymoon period over now? Well, I, I, yeah, a little bit. It, it, it's hard to say because his approval ratings are still high mm-hmm. overall, but when you look at the proportion who strongly approve, they're certainly down. And approval rating of 59% is down from from where they were this time last year, 66%. Now, most politicians would love to have an approval rating of, of, of 59%. And if if an election were to happen... Uh, right now, again, with no NDP leader and no, no Tory leader, uh, the Liberals would take 41% of the vote compared to the, the Tories at, at, at 30%. So uh, people are generally happy with the direction of the Prime Minister, despite some of the, the gaffes that have been happening recently and the recent, uh, you know, Aga Khan uh, brouhaha over his, his vacation. And of course, that's 
likely why the prime minister has embarked on his on his cross country tour over the last little while to distract from from some of that. By and large, people are are fairly happy with uh, with the federal government right now. What will this do for the conservative leadership race? Do you think? Well, I suspect that uh, the poll was received like a Scud missile, uh, in, uh, in in the sense that um, Tory voters, members of the party who are eligible to vote, uh, are going to need to think a little bit about what they would rather have. Um, a candidate who maybe more closely aligns with their with their values and their and their policies and, and traditional conservatism, uh, or a candidate who, at least according to this poll, looks like he may start the process with, with broad appeal. That doesn't mean that as more becomes known about O'Leary's policies that, that uh, he'll become more popular or less popular, but he's starting at an advantageous point. So voters, conservative members, will have to think about you know who who has the best chance of 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 unseating uh, Justin uh, Trudeau and O'Leary's thrown down the gauntlet and he said, "Look, if if I'm the leader of the party and I don't get a majority, you can get rid of me." He's that confident. Voter turnout traditionally lower in this country. Does this re-engage people? Does this get more interested? Well, I think Canadians strive for uh, or desire a close race. Elections that are that are a blowout either way, uh, especially if it's if it's simply reelecting the incumbent, uh, are are a little bit boring. Um, and uh, in a, in an election where it looks like the result is a foregone conclusion, uh, turnout is likely to be lower. If we have a candidate who's challenging the incumbent, uh, who presents a clear alternative to the incumbent, and I, I think most people would, would likely agree. And, and that's another point, because often Canadians have a hard time differentiating between parties and, and leaders. They say, well, they're all the same. Uh, I, I don't think people will say that the same about Kevin O'Leary. So I think it will engage people, whether they're for O'Leary, against O'Leary. Uh, the the excitement is probably good for, for, for democracy and, and for for having more people pay attention. Sean Simpson has been with us, Vice President, Ipsos Public Affairs, of course, Ipso Read Public, uh, sorry, Ipsos Read and Global Television, Global News, uh, conducting a poll in which that says the Conservatives would sit at 37%, the Liberals at 38%, the NDP at 17%, with O'Leary at the helm. Sean, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. My pleasure. Thank you. Let's bring in Peter Graf, of course, political science professor with McMaster University. He is with us now. Hello, Peter. How are you today? Great, thanks. Surprised at these results at all, Peter, that uh, an Ipsos Read Global TV poll says that right now, if uh, O'Leary was the conservative leader, he would sit at 37%, the Liberals at 38 uh, A little. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily expected the number to be quite that high for the conservatives. On the other hand, uh, it's not too surprising that someone with some name recognition, uh, even if it's only from Canadian TV, uh, is able to uh, convince uh, Canadians to put their name beside him at this stage. I mean, we're two and a half years away from an election. We haven't really kicked his tires. So uh, I think it's quite easy to, to fit in that position. Is it that, Peter, or as I mentioned to uh, Sean Simpson from Ipsos Reid, from Ipsos Public Affairs, is it... Uh, is it name recognition or is it anybody but the status quo? Because certainly Kelly Leach has been making lots of noise with her Canadian values thing. So, you know, again, maybe that's people who are just following baseball. But uh, is it recognition or is it anybody but the obvious? 
Uh, well, I mean, I'll, I'll be uh, unprovocative and say it's both. Uh, I mean, I think part of it is that the name is known uh, a bit more widely. Uh, I mean, both because of uh, presence, uh, you know, on Dragon's Den and uh, also doing the Lang and O'Leary Exchange, uh, but also has been much more in the newspapers than, say, a Maxime Bernier in, uh, in the past uh, couple of weeks. So, I mean, I think it's easy for Canadians to say, okay, yeah, there's that guy, uh, I've heard of him. Uh, but you're right, I mean, he does also, uh, you know, he stands for people who are getting a bit tired of uh, Justin Trudeau, and we've seen Trudeau's appeal, approval ratings going down. So people may be also looking for a safe place to park their vote, and so they say, well, it's a name I recognize, so I'm willing to park my vote there as opposed to someone that they hadn't really heard of. Is it also the fact that he is known, but also he's a he, he's a disturber. He he he's a crap disturber. Let's be honest. Uh, he's getting attention that way. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I think there could be an aspect of that. We're going to have to see what he actually stands for, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how he's going to position himself. I mean, he said a, a number of things in in the many hours that he was on television, which he seems to want to distance himself from. Uh, and so the question is, is he going to reinvent himself as a new, more cautious Kevin O'Leary, where he might then lose some of the, the charge that makes him attractive to people who want to change the political establishment, but which might also make him toxic for a lot of voters as they came to uh, see that he had a number of positions that are quite extreme. Uh, you know for sure that that opposition parties are going through uh, uh, episodes of Dragon's Den and Shark Tank as we speak and yanking clips out left, right, and center. Will the public care about that, or will they make the differentiation between television and real life? Uh, Although Donald seems to have a hard time with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I mean, he's done well with uh, not yeah. making that differentiation. Uh, I mean, I think... Uh, I think it's difficult uh, in the way because you do want to step away from that, some of that, and I think Canadians uh, uh, would would be willing to think that someone, when they're on a particular TV show, when they're meant to be a bit provocative, might uh, push things a bit too far. On the other hand, uh, I mean, if you come across as someone who will say something simply to you know appear well on a TV show, uh, even though it's meant to be a reality TV show, and then you you know just claim you're making it up, it makes you seem a bit insincere. Uh, and maybe not trustworthy. So it's a bit of a fine line that you have to draw if you're if you're someone like Kevin O'Leary in terms of saying, yeah, that wasn't me, but uh, you can trust me now. <laughs> what I'm telling you now is the truth. Uh, you know, it's it's a tough it's a tough uh, game to play. I mean, it'll be interesting to see. It's not just the opposition parties who must be going through that, but uh, the conservative uh, other conservative candidates who uh, don't want to let him walk in and waltz out with the prize. Uh, and so I think they'll be finding their own ways to try and criticize him, whether it's uh, kind of the just visiting tag that they put so well on uh, Michael Ignatieff. Uh, mm. This news that came out, uh, I think it was yesterday, that in his life, uh, Kevin O'Leary has only ever donated to the Liberal Party of Canada. So again, I suspect the, the other conservative leadership candidates will be saying, wait a second, is he even really a loyal foot soldier of the Conservative Party? Can we trust him? And so, Does that work in his favor at all, though? Because, I mean, I'm thinking like even with Donald Trump, who, you know, supported the Democrats before he became a Republican. I mean, does that appeal to both sides? And as this Ipso re, Ipsos poll says, um, uh, we've seen the trend elsewhere. I'm quoting this. The idea that it's exclusively people from the right that are attracted to the populist message is incorrect. Uh, and, of course, we're seeing that with uh, the election of former uh, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford, Brexit, and then Trump in the uh, in the United States. People on the left who are tired of the status quo are listening, too. Your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some truth to that. Uh, I mean, in the Canadian case, it's a bit more complicated because you don't just have 
a kind of centrist liberal party. Uh, you also have the NDP, which will be making its own appeal to those groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always successfully. I mean, uh, I mean, that was part of the success of Rob Ford, is that he was able to uh, uh, take uh, some voting blocks that might have previously voted NDP. But it does make it a bit more complicated in, in the Canadian case. Uh, the other thing is uh, that we don't have open primaries. Uh, and so the people who will be electing to choose the next Conservative leader will be uh, Conservative Party members, not just people who would support the Conservative Party or register to vote for the Conservative Party, as you do in the United States. So it will be a group of people who are a bit more tightly concerned about questions of loyalty and, you know, does this person really pay their dues and can we trust them to actually take the, the position that we as members of this party have set for it. So, I mean, that will play a bit different than in the States. But, it, I mean, it remains that with these uh, leadership contests based on one member, one vote, in many ways it's the media who ends up choosing the leader in the sense that the media gives a sense of who is most likely to connect with Canadians, who's most likely to be successful in, a, in an election. And in some ways, you know, the, this poll that we had is probably uh, more important for Kevin O'Leary and his own internal fight for the the Conservative leadership to say, look, I'm the guy who can win it. You know, even if it's based on people who haven't really thought that much or don't know much about him, but it's probably useful for him to develop that narrative as being the person who can win, and that should help him with the Conservative base. What does this do for the other PCs in the race? I think it will push uh, a number of the others to to really try and convince uh, other ones in the race to drop out so that it's a tighter field. Are you surprised we haven't started to already see that happen? Uh, I am a bit. I suspect uh, the different candidates all want to make the case that it's someone else who should drop out. (laughs) uh, At this stage, uh, you know, I mean, Lisa Rayet, for instance, was trying to develop some polls showing that she was doing really well, obviously to make the case that it should be some other chump who will uh, step out and support her. Uh, So, I mean, they may wait too, it may be a situation like with the Republicans in the States, where they waited too long to try and uh, mount a common front, and by then there was too much momentum. I guess the other thing is they they probably want to see what's the actual impact of Kevin O'Leary uh, among the people they're speaking to. Is he is he seen as a as a serious candidate? Is he able to bring uh, more members into the party? The existing members are they are they ready to take his view, or will he be you know less strong than people think? In which case they have more of an incentive to stay in the race. Peter Grant has been with us, professor of political science, of course, at McMaster University. Peter, as always, thanks for the time. Have a great weekend. And you too. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on AM 900 CHML.